Great British Manufacturing Podcast, brought to you by MTD, MFG and Jefferson. Hello and welcome to the Great British Manufacturing Podcast. It's great to be back after our summer break. And on this week's podcast, we will discuss the latest positive British manufacturing news in the last 14 days and welcome a very special guest. Who is Brian Holiday, Managing Director of Siemens Digital Industries and Co-Chair of the Made Smarter Commission. Before we cover these stories, our SME Focus programme has celebrated a very special milestone this weekend, airing its 100th episode. Congratulations and a big thank you to the whole team and Chris Greeno, the show's venerable host. With the amalgamation of MTD channels, SME Focus will soon be available on the main MTD CNC portal, further expanding its reach and audience. More on this exciting development in future podcasts. But Stuart, let's start. Let's jump straight in. There's so much news to cover and we've got a great interview. So let's jump straight in uh, to start proceedings. Two huge factory developments have been given the green light. Tell us more. Yes, Luxembourg headquartered Ardor Metal Packaging is applied to Coca-Cola and Diageo. Um, they're set to build a new £150 million beverage can manufacturing plant in Newton Abbey after securing planning permission. This huge investment is expected to create hundreds of jobs. And plan submitted by XLCC to build a huge new subsea cable manufacturing plant in Henderson. They've also been approved, expected to create and sustain 900 jobs. Cables produced at the North Ayrshire factory will be used to import clean energy from Morocco. Uh, we've also got three updates from BAE Systems. Yeah, busy time for BAE. They're set to build a new £200 million assembly hall. It's got Govern site on the Clyde. The facility will enable the British engineering firm to build at least two ships simultaneously, undercover and in single hull format for the first time. They've also announced plans to recruit 1,000 engineers over the next 12 months to support the Tempest programme, the sixth generation fighter jet under development in the UK, and also help upgrade the Typhoon, primarily at sites in Lancashire. And finally, BAE's handed over the first of 24 Typhoon aircraft to the Qatar Air Force at its Wharton site in Lancashire. And this is part of a £5 billion um, contract, which includes the Jets, Nine Hawk Advanced Trainer Aircraft, and a bespoke support and training package. Uh, four new stories for the UK's rapidly expanding electric vehicle manufacturing sector. Yeah, it's been a fantastic time for, for, for that uh, particular um, part of manufacturing. Um, BP, they've announced plans to build a £50 million global EV battery research and development centre in Berkshire. Um, planned to be open by 2024. The new facilities will be located at BP's ex- existing Pangbourne Global HQ for its castrol business, which already undertakes research and development of fuels, lubricants and EV fluids. Mercedes-Benz uh, subsidiary Yasa, a world-leading manufacturer of electric motors and controllers for hybrid and electric vehicles, they've opened a new multi-million pound research and development centre in Welshpool. Canadian-owned hydrogen fuel cell manufacturer Loop Energy, a supplier to Tiva Trucks, they, they are set to open a new facility in Grays, Essex. And Antipower, they've announced plans to build a new £190 million mega factory, as they describe it in Dundee, scheduled to open in 2025. The battery cell manufacturer's huge investment is expected to create more than 1,000 jobs. Lots going on, isn't there? Lots going on. But uh, there's plenty more news coming after the break. But I'd like to break to introduce this week's guest who is no other than Brian Holiday, Managing Director at Siemens and Co-Chair of Made Smarter Commission. Brian, a very warm welcome. Thank you. Pleasure to be with you. 
Um, before we start talking about Siemens, I'd like to learn about you, Brian, if that's possible. So if you can tell us about your, um, you know, your, your career to date and your current role. Mm. Well, I'm a chartered engineer. I proudly started my career as an apprentice at Texas Instruments, um, graduated Cardiff University in a, a computing and electronics degree. And I've worked in uh, really essentially the technology and manufacturing space ever since um, in computing um, uh, communications and control. Um, and today I get to lead a, a business that is engaged in, in software, in automation and cloud computing. Indeed, that lead, leads nicely on to Siemens, doesn't it? So if you can get us a, a little bit of overview of Siemens here in the UK and of course globally. Certainly. I mean, I think, you know, listeners hopefully would know of uh, Siemens globally with a, a fairly lengthy history in industry and infrastructure. But today it's a, a 62 million euro company with uh, over 300,000 employees. And I guess I'd describe it as a, a technology company looking to transform the everyday. That's industry, infrastructure and mobility. I think at the core of that, we're focused on digitalization and sustainability. And that's what we do uh, ourselves as a manufacturer, but also you know, there's a large part of what we do there, trying to help our customers as well. You know, the priorities for us, um, customer impact, technology with purpose, empowering our people and adopting a growth mindset. At, at the UK, uh, we're 8,600 employees, uh, 2.8 billion in revenues. And, um, you know, I would say that uh, with a long history here, starting in 1843, when uh, Wilhelm Siemens came here and sold a, a patent for an, a, an electroplating process. There's a long history here in the UK of, of manufacturing and services as well. So I'm, I'm proud to be one of the current guardians of the, uh, the organisation for what we do. Indeed. And you were recently made co-chair of the Made Smarter Commission. For those who are unaware of the, of the um, commission, can you tell us what it is and what its current focus is, please? Certainly. No, well, I'm very proud to have been asked to co-chair with a, a co-chair of the Parliamentary Undersecretary of State for Industry. So a government and industry partnership that was formed on the back of a 2017 review. So Made Smarter really was, you know, industry, government, um, trade bodies getting together to unlock essentially the productivity puzzle for manufacturing. And what it identified was that you know, there was a, a lack of effective leadership. You know, there was perhaps a lack of knowledge of the benefits of investing in, in manufacturing, in technology and skills. There were pretty poor levels of adoption of technology that was impacting our manufacturing. We had a make, do and mend mentality. Um, and indeed, we were under leveraging innovation. Um, and as a result of that uh, review, um, we essentially managed to unlock funding in government for uh, an adoption, what, what started off as a pilot in the Northwest to help small companies in particular with technology interventions to, to help them become more uh, competitive, more efficient, more resilient. Um, there was money released to look at manufacturing technology innovation as well, which is being channeled through the UK's innovation agency, Innovate UK as well, uh, on behalf of Made Smarter. So. You know, we're currently working on, um, you know, helping manufacturing get better through a bit of, you know, uh, uh, government support. Current focus for us with me and the chair or co-chair, uh, we're looking at how we can unlock other sources of funding better to help manufacturers. 
Uh, we're looking at how we can make private finance work better for manufacturing, you know, not just startup scale up, but even working capital and investment. And we're also looking at sustainability, how we can really unlock more investment in uh, sustainability enhancing technologies. And we're working with partners like Make UK to, to really get underneath the skin of what's happening. You know, what's, what's preventing technology investment? What are the policy instruments that might help what are the you know what more can we do on signposting the technology where it can help too so there's a huge amount to go out there <clears throat> to, to illustrate the range of services uh the one or two case studies you could share with our audience no absolutely um i mean siemens is engaged uh in manufacturing as a technology provider as well as of course being a manufacturer so um a headline insight for you is that one in three machines globally features a Siemens control system. So that's that's a, a fairly sizable impact in everything from you know baggage handling machines at Heathrow uh, and other uh, airports, of course, in, in industrial infrastructure in water companies, and of course food um, and uh, car plants. You know when we when we move things, we heat them, we cool them, we pressurize them. These are the sorts of things that our automation technologies do. I, mean, I think a nice example, and it's quite topical at the moment here in the UK, um, is um, pollution prevention. So we're working with Yorkshire Water with uh, their data, uh, rainfall and other sensor data to identify combined sewer overflow blockages in advance of that causing pollution. Um, we've been able to identify nine out of 10 uh, pollution incidents from historical data, and that's enabled us to give two weeks earlier warning of issues and three times more effective a blockage, blockage prediction uh, to that company. So really using data uh, and, you know, in an industrial infrastructure context to, uh, to cut pollution. So I thought that might be a nice example. Um, but we're also, um, you know, working with organisations like Axo Nobel, so a pretty regular um, customer for us, paint production, you might know the brands a little bit more with uh, Dulux in particular, but working with Axo Nobel, our team instrumented a control system that's helped them not just reduce the uh, energy consumed in paint production, you know, the 50% reduction in CO2 emitted from previous plants, it's also enabled them to uh, customize production to be able to build a greater number of variants in the product lines that essentially mirrors the sorts of things that we do in the automotive sector as essentially epitomized by the idea of industry 4.0, this moving from mass production of goods to the mass customization. You know, can you build the you know, variants of a product without an escalation in cost. So these are the sorts of things that combining digital technologies and automation technologies are enable man enabling manufacturers to do. Morning, Brian. It's Stuart. Thanks for joining us today. Great case studies there to illustrate your offering. Um, we met last month at the Fantastic Trans Transform 2022 conference and exhibition in Manchester. Would you mind just telling our listeners more about the event and also the key takeaways? Certainly. Um, yeah, it was really encouraging to be able to host a, an event, a face-to-face -face event on the back of the pandemic, which I know gave everyone a lift uh, to be together, but um, essentially a tech conference and exhibition that brought, you know, many people together, engineers and senior contributors, policymakers and, you know, trade bodies 
to look at these issues of uh, supply chain resilience and transforming you know manufacturing um, we essentially covered topics of you know electrification and digitalization uh, finance and you know e-mobility and it was wonderful actually to get such a variety of inputs from companies who came along uh, with their challenges um, and created conversational opportunities at uh, at transform so 3000 registered delegates actually for which i think for a single uh, manufacturer event seems remarkable but i think even more so that it's been in the in industrial space you know and this sort of thing i think is more typical in information technology but i think we we really learned a lot about you know what companies are doing on supply chain resilience uh, and what manufacturers um, are, are are doing companies like jaguar land rover like basf um, like unilever you know how are companies gearing up to cope with some of the, the challenges of labor shortages, of chip shortages, of supply chain um, disruption, of an escalation in cost. Um, and it's interesting, I think, that what shone through was that technology and investing in technology um, is a significant part of the answer. Absolutely, and good to learn earlier that it's going to be another event in 2024. Look forward to, to attending that. And as you, you, you referenced, uh, Siemens is very much at the vanguard of digitalization, both in the UK and beyond. Um, again, would you mind explaining what it is and the associated features and benefits, please? Certainly. No, we, we're investing heavily in uh, our digital portfolio. Um, we were able to transform, launch uh, the concept of Accelerator, um, a Siemens global investment to really try and um, help transform through our core business activities what we do in the digital space bringing together um, you know the the real world with the digital world you know developing digital twins to help proof uh, test you know products and processes in advance of uh, implementing them and I, I think essentially digitalization is in you know through the pandemic um, globally we've seen it's in focus for companies who recognize that we can now work remotely um, we can collaborate remotely. We can we can use digital tools more uh, to prove things, and so we're seeing very high demand. But I would say the core benefits are competitiveness, productivity, and sustainability. Uh, you know, these are the benefits of that can be derived from digitalizing. We know that digitalizing is a a route to decarbonizing, which is of increasing importance. But you know, the reasons companies engage in digitalization is to build better products sooner and bring them to market faster through you know the parallel uh, operations of, of, of designing products and processes as we've we've proven through you know ventilator challenge uk and the likes as well productivity 60 percent of tasks in manufacturing can be automated we're learning more all the time about how to better automate things and there's great organizations out there doing research in this like the high value manufacturing catapult uh, I'm particularly impressed with Salford University and what they're doing on robotics research with end effectors. But automation leads to lower costs and greater levels of competitiveness. And then finally, sustainability. You know, digitalization enables decarbonization because we need in complex manufacturing environments to uh, be able to monitor and manage what we're doing when it comes to energy usage in particular. You know, we know that we can invest in renewables but actually if we don't invest in reduction then we'll just be wasting renewable energy as well so i think you know that there's a key 
role for industrial digital technologies to help in the in these three ways in particular competitiveness productivity and sustainability and manufacturing and those i make those remarks generically because the same core technologies are used in food and drink and automotive and water and wastewater and baggage handling these are the sort of core technologies and therefore the core benefits really apply to multiple sectors absolutely and quite a start there that 60 percent of processes can be automated and uh, and moving on um siemens you, you've recently partnered with a cyber security software company to develop a managed ot uh, security service i think primarily for smes would you mind again just telling us more about this project no absolutely i mean maybe as a context for this it, it might be interesting to reference ibm security x force report from february this year actually that highlighted the manufacturing sector was the number one attacked sector worldwide with 23% of all cyber attacks aimed at sabotaging the backbone of global supply chains. So it's pretty scary stuff. What's pretty scary for smaller companies is the cost of staying safe. And there is no silver bullet in cyber as we know, but there was evidently a gap for smaller companies that couldn't possibly contemplate the £150,000 plus to think about setting up a security operation or operational centre. And so this was an initiative really pulled together with Siemens, with IN 4.0, with Manchester uh, law enforcement, um, at, you know, as well as uh, uh, Arwen, a company who had developed uh, a technology that I think is both scalable and affordable for small to medium companies. So, you know, this essentially provides a low cost managed service for small to medium manufacturers to be able to benefit from, you know, a, a level of infrastructure investment uh, in cyber, this growing threat uh, to try and help protect their businesses too. And with great input from Manchester and Salford universities, by the way, I think this, uh, you know, this particular initiative is, is great because it, it feels like we're, we're sort of targeting again the long tail of British manufacturing, um, you know, with Arwen Collective in particular, with their development, um, you know, to help protect, um, you know, our manufacturing base. And we've got to do that alongside investing in, you know, competitiveness and sustainability and productivity. Um, we, we've got to make sure at the same time we invest in cyber. So I think, you know, I'm, I'm quite proud of how this particular investment, this particular collaboration should help. Absolutely fascinating and much needed project. And um, obviously, by definition, the podcast is for the manufacturing community. Um, for people who are less familiar with your operations in the UK, would you mind just giving an overview, please? Certainly. There are um, companies that carry the name Siemens, like Siemens Energy, Siemens Health and Ears, um, and Siemens. And in the UK, there's a number of manufacturing plants from uh, in Siemens Health and Ears case, blood fractionation products. There's the superconducting magnets for uh, MR scanners um, uh, in Oxford. At Siemens Energy, there's gas and wind turbine production that takes place here. For Siemens Mobility, uh, there's rolling stock production that will be undertaken at a brand new factory that's under construction right now in Goul. Um, and that will be the, the new tube for London. Um, and uh, you know that's a really exciting development. Closer to home for me in the digital industries business, we've got a, um, a factory that 
I think is world class uh, when it comes to uh, the mass customization of, of products. And this is in Congleton. Um, it's a Siemens digital industries factory that produces inverters or variable speed drives for industry. These are the devices that um, can enable up to 60% less energy to be consumed through industrial motors. They help you control the speed um, of the motors for you know, moving things, pumps, fans, uh, conveyors, uh, and a broad range of industrial tasks. But that factory produces uh, roughly a million devices a year, but now it's moved from production at scale of a low number of stockkeeping units to being able to produce 17,000 variants at the point of uh, build uh, with our operators there with a completely paperless system. So yeah, I think you know, there's a broad range of manufacturing activities that Siemens undertakes, but I, I trust that in our own manufacturing plants, we are walking the talk with regard to digital technologies and digital technology adoption as well. Yeah, you mentioned your youth pay facilities. You know, how important is it for Siemens to have, you know, such a large footprint in manufacturing in the UK? And what are the advantages and potential challenges, I guess, of manufacturing here in the UK? This is for those of us in leadership roles in the UK to make the case, of course, inside a global organisation for the benefits of, of operating here. And they are numerous, of course. And the obvious ones are language and time zone and skills and the level of education and infrastructure. You know, the relative political stability, um, but just the flexibility of our labour force and the culture broadly that we are able to build here in, you know, making things. Um, and, you know, all of those things um, stand out alongside our history of being able to continuously improve. So all of your manufacturing listeners to this podcast will appreciate the need to look at total cost productivity. And this is something that in our UK factories, we've been able to generate lots of, and it's that expertise in in CI um, and you know getting leadership teams together with inputs from employees on how we can make things better every year, and that's process improvements, it's technology adoption, and we aim to do that as with any global company better, um, uh, you know than potential sister plants or potential other developments in other regions and. Um, you know, so I think supported equally by the innovation infrastructure here, like the high value manufacturing catapult, these sorts of things make a difference. And so one example of that is that, you know, it's interesting, you know, actually it's quite difficult for robots to um, construct and pack boxes, cardboard boxes around products. As humans, we, we're dexterous, we're, you know, we're able to do that and we don't think of it, it's, it's quite easy. Um, but we actually worked with the Manufacturing Technology Centre to solve a problem where we were able to build an end of line test and pack robot cell uh, that's helped you know enable for people to go and do other value adding tasks at our factory in in Congleton at a tiny fraction of what would have been the original capital cost had we not um, you know digitally simulated and, and designed this production um, system in conjunction with MTC so I think when you're able to bring that level of innovation as well as you know focus on cost productivity, uh, and you're able to prove that repeatedly. I think this is, these are the sorts of things that hopefully make you stand out and attractive uh, as, a, as a location to, to you know, bring investment in and to serve global markets from here. Yeah, absolutely. And it's no secret, UK is one of, if not the best place on the planet to manufacture. So please 
do keep doing it, uh, Siemens. But the uh, the sector is currently navigating uh, several issues at present: inflation, energy costs, supply chain difficulties, and and, and there are others. Uh, how are Siemens managing these challenges at present? We're just the same as other manufacturers in this context. It's something that came through loud and clear at the Transform uh, event this year. I think hearing from so many manufacturing businesses who are uh, quite used by their nature to being resilient, to coping with change. That change may in the past have been more, you know, demand fluctuation, um, you know, flexing skills, product variants and so on. But actually in manufacturing, we are used to coping with change. And it's interesting that manufacturers are just responding. They're getting on with it. Um, like others, yes, we've got supply chain disruption and chips. Um, but the answer has to be that we are looking, I mean, in our case, actually, we're also coping with very, very high demand levels for our automation technology. So we're looking at automating more and using technology. Of course, we're trying to instrument really good customer service. Uh, where of course supply chains are disrupted and you can't keep promises uh, like we used to uh, on the availability of product. We're investing in IT and infrastructure to be able to give better answers, to make data more transparent to our customers as well. So, you know, that makes us similar to other manufacturers who are responding similarly to ways in which they are investing in skills uh, and in technology to respond, but we have no choice. We have to find ways to respond um, if we are to maintain core manufacturing business too. Perhaps I could add to that, that what Siemens is doing along with other manufacturers is we're stepping up in our conversations with government who clearly have to be part of the answer. Manufacturing is 10% of our economy. It's two and a half million jobs. Um, you know, it, it is, um, the 10th largest um, in the world. It's worth fighting for. And we know from Made Smarter and, you know, you know what that report tells us that actually there's, there's something about the partnership of government and our innovation institutions and industry itself uh, that, that's necessary to come together to try and help us respond. So I, I hope we're also raising our voice in this context to try and make sure we've got the right policy instruments, the right policy landscape you know, to support manufacturing uh, broadly at this time of high supply chain disruption. But it's really important we reinforce that manufacturing matters. I'd like to see a much greater link between a levelling up agenda and investment in our manufacturing sector with distributed high value jobs, um, with future career paths in, you know, in higher technology manufacturing that I think is a possibility. So I'm, I'm not seeing disruption as a challenge. I'm seeing it as an opportunity right now. And I hope that's not too much of a rant for your listeners, um, you know, but it's one I'm passionate about that we, we can do more uh, to see an outcome from the adversity that we're facing in the sector right now. Indeed. And, you know, what are the aspirations for Siemens in the UK, both this year and further afield, you know, beyond? Well, we're setting ourselves up firmly to be the organisation that can help transform the everyday to create a better tomorrow. We're focusing specifically on digital technologies. We're focusing on what we call our degree framework to make sure that we are doing the right things when it comes to ESG, decarbonisation, ethics, governance, resource efficiency, equity and employability. So I hope that we're doing the right things. In the UK, I hope that translates into a customer satisfaction level that's significantly above 
a net promoter score of 50. So we're, we're hoping to be the sort of John Lewis of the industrial automation world. Um, I hope that we can mirror that with an employee satisfaction, those who would recommend us, which is you know just as important, again, of a over 50, an equivalent net promoter score. And I hope that we can become even more of a learning organization, building the skills for tomorrow that perhaps we don't have today. Um, you know, learning hours of 50 per employee this year. But I hope that translates into an organizational ability to work with our customers to help create better outcomes, competitiveness, productivity, and sustainability through digital technologies, um, through partnership with us, with our domain expertise, um, but also ecosystems, pulling organizations together with similar challenges. I don't think the future is one in which you know, organizations will trade one-to-one -one in the business-to-business -business space. I think we've got to set ourselves up to embrace a future that's about ecosystems and marketplaces as well. So um, I, I hope we can carve out a role for adding value through digital um, you know, into you know, those outcomes in sustainability and uh, you know, productivity for our customers. Well, Brian, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. It's been an education. Thank you for your time. I know your time is valuable. And yeah, we appreciate you coming on and all the very best to yourself and everyone at Siemens and continue the good work. Thanks again. Thank you so much for the invitation. It's been my pleasure. Stuart, what a fascinating insight into Siemens. Incredible and uh, learned so much. And I love the line. Um, Brian said that uh, wants Siemens to be established as John Lewis of the industrial automation world. So yeah, I really like that strap line and uh, yeah, fascinating interview and looking, looking forward to uh, speaking to Brian and the guys at Siemens uh, in uh, future podcasts. Yeah, absolutely. Let's get back on with the uh, the news for now. Uh, good news for agency workers currently employed on a temporary basis at JCB. More good news. Yeah, the digger maker, they've announced that 200 agency employers are to be handed permanent contracts as global demand for its construction and agricultural machinery continues to soar. It's been an incredible 18 months for JCB. Um, since January 21, the British manufacturers built a record number of machines, created more than 1,500 jobs, secured a host of major orders, celebrated its 75th anniversary, handed permanent contracts to over 1,300 agency workers, and last but by no means least, invested £100 million developing an award-winning hydrogen engine. So um, I know we, we cover JCB quite a lot on the podcast, but uh, if they keep uh, giving us good news, we're, we're gonna, we will continue to do so. Why not exactly? Uh, big news for the Midlands automotive sector as well. Yeah, the Mercedes-AMG One hypercar um, has entered production in Coventry, power, powered by a modified version of the firm's Brixworth-built supercharged 1.6-litre V6 Grand Prix engine and combined with four electric motors. The first cars will be delivered to customers later this year. Just 275 examples of the AMG One, AMG One will be built, with Mercedes outsourcing overall production to Midlands-based Multimatic, which is behind the manufacturing models such as the latest Ford GT, and the Aston Martin Vanquish Zagato. Yeah, great news. And uh, uh, you, you haven't won, Stu? Do you fancy one of those? I think they've all been, sort of, yeah, probably about £20 million short of, of, of securing one. But you never know, Joe. We'll, we'll keep mentioning them and uh, they might send us a complimentary one. <laughs> uh, Rolls-Royce have secured two significant contracts as well since our break, haven't they? Certainly have. So the Rolls-Royce NTU engines, they've been selected to power 523 new British Army 
boxer armored vehicles. The engines will be integrated into the boxes at um, um, in Stockport and also at RBSL's um, site in, in Telford. And further good news for Derby's Rolls-Royce and Airbus's um, wing manufacturing plant in Broughton. Malaysia Aviation Group, parent company of Malaysia Airlines, they've ordered 20 new Airbus A330 Neo aircraft, which are powered exclusively by Rolls-Royce Trent 7000 engines. Fantastic. Uh, and just to wrap up this week's podcast, we've got a, a couple of updates from British manufacturers, haven't we? Yeah, and a couple of companies we've not mentioned before as well. So Tiger Trailers, they're recruiting apprentices for a new coach building apprenticeship. Um, the trainees will be based at the firm's £22 million trailer production facility in Winsford, Cheshire. And Allied Glass, a supplier of premium glass bottles to the spirits industry, they're investing £38 million upgrading and expanding its production facility in Leeds. And this is one of the largest single investments in the historic firm's 148-year history. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Fantastic news again. There's, um, unfortunately, that's all we got time for this week, Stuart. Uh, there's plenty more on the website. Go to mtdmfg.com and indeed mtdcnc.com now um, as we transition across. But yeah, no, a big thank you to you, Stuart, for all your hard work. A massive thank you to Brian Holiday, the Managing Director of Siemens Digital Industries. But as always, the biggest thank you goes to you at home for listening. We'll see you soon. and leave a rating and a review. You can find us on Twitter using at MTDMFG and at Jefferson underscore MFG.